Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. We're presented, as always, by DraftKings. It's a very important business of sports. I wanted to talk about Peng Shui, who is the Chinese women's tennis player who has... There's a lot of concern for her safety, and it's been that way for over a month now. And I want to get someone to, that's done some reporting on it and really talk about it. So we're going to have a special guest, Matthew Futterman of the New York Times, talking about Pem Shui, what's going on in China, where her whereabouts and the concerns and the WTA, how they help Women's Tennis Association, how have they dealt with this. We're going to get to all that. But first, a word from LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. You can create a free job post in minutes. LinkedIn Jobs, you can reach your network, the world's largest professional network, 770 million people on LinkedIn. Use those simple tools, quickly filter, prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires and leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. You know, every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash BOS, business of sports. That's linkedin.com slash BOS to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Without further ado, I want to get to our special guest talking about Peng Shui's situation in China, the women's tennis player who has not been seen, at least in a way that people feel comfortable with her safety. So here we go. Matthew Futterman from the New York Times. Matt, always great to talk to you. Actually, before we get to our topic at hand, I want to let you know you're one of the people I, uh, I follow when it comes to running. I just did a uh, half marathon. And uh, for me, that's like running across the country. That's you know? outstanding. Yeah. I'm, a, uh, I'm a short distance guy, a triathlon guy. So I'm in Dallas. My son's here in college. We spent Thanksgiving together. So I hung around and I did the Dallas half yesterday. And uh, it was quite an experience. That's great. That's great. A half, half is such a great distance because it's like you don't quite get to the point where, you are, where you're like totally, um, where you're totally worn out. Or at least I don't generally. Uh, <laughs> or a lot of people don't. But it, it's sort of like feels like i mean first of all the word marathon is in it so that's good and it's like it feels enough so that you really accomplish something you know like something big but you don't kill your but you don't like kill yourself so but i'm proud i'm very proud of you yeah unfortunately i did kill myself (laughs) okay you know i like a lot of everyone you know i had a coach and uh, we talked about a plan on saturday and i totally went against the plan because you know, the adrenaline and all that, I went out way too fast. And yeah. I was hoping, you know, to come in with an eight minute pace. And I went out and my third mile was like 701. And I'm like, yeah. And that third mile cost me later because I was hurting. Yeah. Doesn't uh, plan the race and race the plan. That's the, uh, yes. that's the thing. Yeah. It's the best uh, of plans, right? Right. Uh, moving to more serious topic, I've heard you, I've seen your work, and I've heard you on the daily podcast. Uh, before we get to the matter at hand, tell our listeners, if you would, sort of a background, Peng Shui, and, and tell me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. It's Peng right. Shui. 
Peng Shui, yes. who she is, her background, and sort of everything before we get to November. Okay, so Peng Shui is 35 years old. She has long been one of the most famous tennis players in China and also one of the most famous athletes in China. She is sort of of that generation of players that really brought the sport to China and, and really sort of into the limelight. She and Lina, uh, who was a singles Grand Slam champion, Peng Shui was never a singles Grand Slam champion, but she won the Wimbledon doubles championship and she won the French Open doubles championship. And so she is, I mean, she, she's been described as the golden flower, a, a Chinese princess. She's, she's really like sort of as big as it gets for, I mean, she's not Yao Ming, but she's not that far off from being Yao Ming because China doesn't have that many massive international sports champions. So she was held in really, really high regard for uh, for a long time. Uh, was still a- was still actively playing professional tennis n- until the pandemic. She hasn't played since then. And uh, then, you know, we come to November second. Hmm. She she did a post. And what is their social media? Uh, obviously, it's not what we're used to dealing with here. What is the name of that? Uh, I, I may mispronounce it. Is it Weibo or Weibo? Weibo, Weibo yes, which is sort of their big, their their equivalent of, I guess, Facebook and you know what? It's just a right. massive and Facebook, Instagram. It's a really, really big uh, social media hub in China. I think she has you know more than a half million followers, and um, so she goes on uh, Weibo and she she sort of post what I guess we used to call a blog item about uh, a sort of on and off again affair she had with a former top Communist Party official, one of the members of the seven-member ruling committee of the country, the one that Xi Jinping now leads. And um, she talks about that relationship, the sort of ugliness of that relationship. For him, it was an extramarital affair. And that it seems to have come to a very ugly uh, conclusion three years ago um, when, according to her, she he sexually assaulted her after they played tennis. And he did so, I think, at her home with her, his wife was present at the same mm-hmm. time in the house. It's just sort of really ugly. And she talks about, you know, feeling like an egg hitting a stone um, a moth to a flying too close to a fire. Uh, and it just reads like the words of someone who's in a great deal of distress as sexual assault victims often are. Now I know translate things get lost in translation, but in this post on Weibo in November, did she actually accuse him of a certain level of sexual assault I mean, you mentioned some of the details just there, but how detailed did she get about what he actually did to her? Uh, She didn't want to have sex with him, and he ended up having sex with her uh, using a, a, I think, a variety of, a variety of, uh, what do you want to call them, techniques, Mm -hmm. coercion. Um, There was a guard, apparently a guard outside, the door, uh, 
and you know she didn't get into you know too detailed about use of force but you know at bottom line she didn't want to do this and he did it anyway and she had ex and she expressed that resist she clearly expressed that resistance to him if the story ended there matt how shocked would you be that she posted this I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not expert in, you know, in Chinese policy and in the Chinese government, but I do know that it's pretty rare for average citizens to take on top officials in the Chinese government and you sort of do so at your own risk. I mean, you just don't really speak out against the government um, in China, uh, you know, I, I don't know. There must be instances where they don't do much, but that those those instances seem to be few and far between these days. It, it, and I think, you know, maybe she felt that her notoriety gave her a certain amount of leverage or protection. Um, and it probably do, it probably it probably do, does to some extent. Although there's some some pretty high profile. Chinese citizens, notably Jack Ma, who sort of uh, uh, seemingly suffered some repercussions for speaking out against the government. Yeah. So. Um, so speaking of which, yeah. Yeah. How long did this stay up, and what happened? Stayed up for about I think fifteen or twenty minutes. It was taken down almost immediately, and the Chinese, you know, they didn't just they took down this post that you couldn't search for her name without hitting dead ends for a while. You couldn't. You couldn't, you know, sometimes when you would search the word tennis, you would hit a dead end. I mean, they did everything possible that they could to just sort of wipe, wipe this and wipe her from digital life in, you know, in China. And, you know, in addition to that, you just, people even said that they would be in talking about the situation in chat in a chat group and all of a sudden you know their chat group would get get mm. zapped out so i mean i think we all we all know that china's surveillance of social media and people's use of it is sort of off the charts but this just gives you an idea of how off the charts it actually is and how deep it can go when they want it to go deep so you know that was that was in what happened in China, but you know this thing spread across the worldwide internet very quickly, and so it made its way, or you know, made its way around the world. And so a lot of people, a lot, it's, it just spread, and so a lot of people knew very quickly that Peng Shui had done this very sort of courageous thing, and had very quickly suffered some pretty serious repercussions from it. And I think there was an immediate concern given how China had reacted so strongly to the post that, you know, what was going to happen next. And I, I think a lot of people's worst fears were then realized. So this is out there uh, through captured screens from around the world. Obviously it's, it's scrubbed in China. And then do we get to the point then, and you can take us to the timeline in terms of the concern expressed by West Western entities and the, I'm going to, it's going to be come out too strong, but the hostage note that came 
from Peng Shui after this. So yeah. what's the timeline there? I don't think hostage note is too strong and we'll get to that. But no. having said that, I mean, I think it was sort of, there was a lot of initial coverage and then things went kind of quiet. Um, you know, people, we sort of move on to the next story a little bit while if nothing seemingly happening on another story. But then um, about 10 days after, it was in the middle of the WTA Tour Finals uh, in Guadalajara, Mexico, a tournament that was supposed to happen in China but was moved because of COVID. Steve Simon, who's the head of the WTA, really goes public with a very harsh stance about China and just says, and it, it, go, it goes out there and he says, I've been trying to get in touch with this woman, one of my players, uh, one of the professional tennis players, not his players. I've been trying to get out, get in touch with her for uh, you know almost two weeks at this point, and I can't. And you know, it's very clear they have a lot of channels of communication in normal times. If they want to get in touch with her, they've got cell phones and emails and friends and associates right. and agents and all kinds of things like that. And they are not able to get a response from her. And they're really concerned about it. And he says, you know, we're really concerned about not being able to get in touch with her. We really think these allegations are incredibly serious. You know, there needs to be a full and transparent investigation of what exactly went on there. And if they don't do all these things, then we're going to consider taking our tournaments out of China uh, permanently. And that... That hit, that's, that's hitting pretty hard. I mean, people have spoken out against China before, but it's very rare that a company uh, or an organization says, we're not going to do any business with the largest country on the planet. Folks, you know about Keeps.com. Two out of three men experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. And more than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. Now, there's only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both of them. It's a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. You have convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. You don't have to leave your house. Low cost, $10 a month they start at. Offers generic versions as well. Discreet packaging, proven results. More five-star reviews than any competitors in this space. So... If you're ready to take action, prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash BOS for business of sports. Receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash BOS. Get your first month free. Keeps.com slash BOS. So this is happening, and, and this is the sort of the business of sports angle here with WTA Director Simon saying this. How much business are we talking about, Matt, in terms of tournaments and ballpark money so it's nine tournaments um including the tour finals which is a very prestigious tournament at the end of the year so only the top eight players make it uh and there's a lot of money in that tournament generally that tournament you know the it, the, the per, purse for that tournament in 2019 the last time it was held in china uh was 14 million dollars which is a pretty high purse for just eight players. But beyond that, there's just, there's a ton of investment in tennis in China as a result of the commitments that China has made to the WTA, not just to 
play those nine tournaments, but also to build facilities uh, and and just grow the game in China. Steve Simon estimated at the time when he signed the deal with China and launched it um, back about three or four years ago, he estimated that the, the promise of investment was uh, you know upwards of a billion dollars over the next decade, and you know that would include that obviously includes that huge amount of prize money committed to the players. Uh, and it, it's a, it's a steep drop off because, you know, China as a developing country is pays a premium to get a, an organization like the WTA to come and hold events there. And so for instance, the prize money, like I said, was $14 million in 2019. This year it was in Guadalajara. And yes, it was put together on kind of a last minute basis in the summer when they knew they were going to have to move it prize money was only $5 million. So you sort of multiply that out over lots of lots of tournaments and lots of years, you very quickly get into, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of direct cash um, that's that comes from China, and then tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars more in sort of indirect investment, in terms of, like I said, building facilities and growing the game. You know, it's interesting. I can't help but think about the other situation, which is certainly not directly on point, but the NBA. So for people who I'm sure some followed, some didn't, Daryl Morey's tweet a couple of years ago about uh, the Hong Kong situation and the NBA immediately sort of pulled that back, realizing the important business partnership they have with China that was fractured during that time. Do you see parallels in those situations? At least, I mean, obviously the NBA did not do to the extent that the WA is, talk, TA is talking about. Yeah, I think I, you, you sort of wonder what if there had not been a pandemic, yeah. what would have happened with the NBA? Would they, a year later had in 2020, would they have had exhibition games in China, which had sort of become part and parcel to the preseason? Um, what really would have been the ramifications in, in, in that sense. You know, as it was, even though their initial, you know, their initial statement was that Maury's tweet was, you know, Maury's tweet and there's some, you know, the NBA will tell you that, no, 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 it wasn't the tweet that was regrettable. It was regrettable that the tweet insulted lots of Chinese people and their fans and, you know, they sort of get into this semantic battle to try and uh, try and explain that, and then re- ultimately, under pressure from a lot of people, reasserted their players and executives' rights to free speech. Right. Um, that you know, we would think they would just w- wouldn't have to be said in this country. Um, but you know, that's that's sort of where they ended up, and they still ended up being you know punished. The games taken off. Right. China Central Television. You, they still they stream games now um, through one of the Chinese streaming services. So uh, I don't know how much of a punishment it is to be taken off television. But Adam Silver does estimate that the cost the NBA three hundred million dollars. Um, that in terms of I guess media contracts and other kinds of agreements. Like I said, it'd be inter- it would have been interesting to see if if they would have had exhibition games there, or if they will be able to have exhibition games there when 
life returns to some semblance of normal. So it's a it, it's a different situation. NBA is a lot bigger organization, about ten billion dollars right. a year, as opposed to WTA. Uh, but you know that's a it, it, there's only there's only so many tennis tournaments and only so many weeks in a year, and to be holding nine of them in one country is a lot of exposure. So at this point, that's a threat, right, Matt? I mean, that's there's nothing there's no tournaments that have passed since this, these events have transpired, and where are I mean we've sort of glossed over the fact that you can now talk about the hostage letter and the conversation conversation with the IOC director, Thomas Bach, as we again are a month away from the Olympics. So there's been stuff going on, but after we get to that, after you explain a little more of that, I want to see sort of where we are today. So what happens after that is just sort of a very disturbing few days of reactions from the Chinese uh, the first thing they do is they release this email that starts, this is Peng Shui, Peng Shui, excuse me. And it sort of goes on to basically recant everything she said in her previous blog post. Uh, and it's, it just seems completely clear that it's not written by her. So that's the first disturbing thing. And that yeah, there's like a picture of the cursor in the email. Or? Yeah. It's just really sloppy and yeah. um, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Uh, and nobody believes it raises the levels of concern because she still hasn't been seen or heard from, uh, you know, day or two after that, there's a Chinese journalist who posts pictures of her sitting in a bedroom, surra- smiling, surrounded by, stuffed animals, another picture of her holding, you know, with a cat. Um, it's unclear when those pictures are taken. He claims they're, they're from that day because people are asking, like, we need to sure. say, like, we need to see her alive. Can we see her holding a newspaper? I mean, it's gotten to that level and th- that doesn't work. And then finally they, you know, they, there's this video that comes out of her at a Beijing restaurant not looking very happy to be there with a Chinese tennis official sort of talking about a tournament, making reference to the dates, November 19th, November 20th, November 21st, today, tomorrow, sort of trying to establish this as like a proof of life video. But again, it's just, it's, you know, she's not alone. She's not speaking freely. She's not independent. It's put out by, the government-controlled media. You know, and then the next day, she appears at a youth tennis tournament, and she's signing autographs. And you know, But once again, this is a very controlled environment, and she's not, she's, you know, she, she's, she's seemingly not free. Um, and then you know, a, a tried-and-true strategy for China when they're on the ropes is they call on a reliable friend. And in this case, the reliable friend is the International Olympic Committee which is bringing the winter games there in February and it's itself getting in hot water because it's been so, it's been so quiet about right. this situation and hasn't sort of spoken out and seemingly used any leverage to on behalf of her, or her safety and, and to establish her safety. And it's, it's this, it's the Sunday. It's a week later. It's, it's a week since Steve Simon has spoken out and the IOC releases a statement that Thomas Bach, its president, has held a video conference call with her uh, that day. And all's well. 
she's fine. She's safe. She's resting. She's in Beijing. They make plans to have dinner. There's no transcript of the call. There's no video of the call. There's no mention of a sexual assault. There's no, there's nothing, there's nothing about any of the allegations. And it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, China for China, it's gold because it can put it out to its people. And, and I think that's their main audience here. They don't seem to care so much with the Western media. Right thinks of them, what they need to do is they need to keep their people in line. And, you know, so they had, so they get what they need out of the IOC and Steve Simon says, well, that's great. I'm glad she's seemingly alive and can have dinner next month, but I, she's still not speaking freely. There's still no investigation going on. So no, this doesn't, this doesn't satisfy me at all. And I think it's interesting also about one other detail about the call is that, it, there's there's a Chinese tennis official on there who's a who's a member of the IOC, someone who's you know deeply embroiled in China's government structure, and then there's also someone who's described as a friend of Peng Shui, Peng Shui to help her with her English. Mm. But from all accounts, Peng Shui speaks perfectly fine English. <laughs> so why does she need this quote unquote friend there to monitor the discussion and the conversation? Uh, it, it's so, I think any, anyone who's continuing to be concerned is, is doing, is justified in feeling that way. And, you know, after that, several more days pass, uh, it, Steve Simon has said he's continuing to you know, press on every, on, on every avenue he can to try and get in touch with her. And finally, you know, the calendar flips to December and he decides enough is enough. And he says, all right, we're suspending all our business in Mm. China. Um, Certainly our tournaments in China. I don't think at this point, I'm sure they don't have very much other business, but we're suspending our tournaments in China until, you know, like, like, like you said before, we speak with her and until there's a full and full and open and transparent investigation into these allegations because, you know, doing any less would be to, you know, not treat women as equal and equality is sort of at the found is the founding principle of a WTA tour. We'll be back to Matt and this interesting conversation in a moment. First, a word from cuts clothing guys, work attires changed. You don't have to wear stuffy, uncomfortable clothes anymore. Cuts clothing is the best thing I have seen in terms of reimagined work clothes. You can wear them anytime. It's holidays are busy now. You can wear polos, bomber jackets, joggers, make it more easy to do what you want to do year round. It's this minimalist design. It's professional enough for the office, yet comfortable enough for a night out. Cuts combines versatility with style. You can look good for any occasion. I use it for all just hanging around. And I use it for meetings as well. So Cuts has your holiday shopping covered with a lot of new products, special site exclusive offers every day in December. Plus you get $15 off site wide at cutsclothing.com slash BOS. That's business of sports. Once again, cutsclothing.com slash BOS. Get 15% off plus can't miss daily deals. That's cutsclothing.com slash BOS to get 15% off Plus, can't miss daily deals. That's cutsclothing.com slash BOS. 
when would be the next tournament the WTA would host? So I, I think it's it, you know next fall is I and mean, they have time. The next yeah. fall is really the the Asia swing happens in in the tennis calendar right. for the women. The Asia swing happens after the U.S. Open. Um, tennis is kind of like this worldwide traveling circus that sort of moves from continent to continent throughout the year, beginning in Australia, then coming to the U.S. and moving to Europe for the right. clay, clay and grass, then coming back to the U.S. for the hardcourt season, and then going to Asia for the last few months. And so, you know, there is time, um, but there's also time for for the WTA to find some alternatives. And that's what they're doing right now. They're, they're, I don't think they're planning on being in China next fall. Uh, I think what they're planning on doing is being somewhere else and trying to find you know, the, a good business opportunity elsewhere besides China. Will Peng Shui have an opportunity to speak at some point? Is she on the roster, so to speak, of the Olympic team? I mean, she, we're coming up, we're coming up to, yeah, we're coming up to the winter games. So she wouldn't be playing in the, yeah, she wouldn't be playing tennis in the summer games. She is a three time Olympian. Um, Yeah. So she wouldn't be in the winter games. But there's, you know, but she'd be some kind of ceremonial, you would think. In normal, in normal times, you would think that a three time Olympian like her might be, might participate. Someone who's so popular might participate in, the opening ceremony or something like that. And it would certainly, but would certainly also be a presence. And, um, you know, I think that's highly doubtful at this point. I mean, yeah. I, would, I would love to see it. It would make me feel better about covering the Olympics. Um, but uh, it's, you know, she's, this happened you know, over a week ago in terms of, in terms of removing the, you know, suspending business in China and, um, she still not doesn't have any kind of public presence. So you're, as someone close to the story, you're you're concerned for her safety. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the first concern. You sort of, yeah. I mean, you want you you you'd like to see, you'd like to see allegations like this addressed in a kind yeah. of seri- in a kind of serious way, in the same way that. Um, you know that there'd be some. Uh, of course, you'd, you'd like to see due process for the accused, but at the same time, you I think you know we've shown that you can have due process for the accused and also have allegations be investigated. Yeah, I don't want this question to come off the wrong way, and and I don't know if there's a way it won't. But Peng Shui knows the system, right? So. On November, whatever it was, does she not expect ramifications and repercussions from well, putting I, something on? I mean, I don't know. I can't get inside her yeah. head. All I all I have all we have is the words that she wrote. Yeah, and you know, there's a reference in there in those words where you know, she says that she doesn't really feel like she's worth living her like her life is worth living but she doesn't have the courage to die wow which is you know i don't even know if that's a veiled suicide thought but it certainly sort of references that um it sounds like what she's saying is i'd like to kill myself but i but i'm scared to do it 
And so I, it, it's hard to say, you know, what she's really thinking about her future or whether she cares about what her future looks like. So um, that's, that's something that, you know, well, well reading those words will kind of stick with me forever. Yeah. They're just really, they're really, really sad. It's a sad and disturbing story. I guess my last question is someone powerful. So we know there's a, there's threats or talk. I don't know if it's, you know, President Biden talking about a diplomatic boycott, <coughs> excuse me. And um, is anybody at the higher levels looking into this in a way that's that shows some some exertion of power? Are you talking about these, the higher levels of China or the higher levels no, no, anywhere of the Western? Our country, any other country? Well, our country can't. Oh, uh, the United States announced that it was it was going to have a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Games, which means the athletes are going to go. We're going to feel the team, but we're not sending any government officials, which is something that generally countries do as sort of a sign of respect for the host nation. Right. And, you know, the Olympics are supposed to be about peace and government's coming together and so it's you know it, it's really almost nothing but good PR usually for politicians to attend at least the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games so w the United States announced it wouldn't do that not merely because of Peng Shui but also because you know we have terrible relations with China at this moment uh, given their crackdowns of, of, in Hong Kong and elsewhere in the country, given their treatment of the Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities in the country. So we announced that we're doing that. And uh, Australia, Canada, and Great Britain have done the same. Also Lithuania, though Lithuania didn't use the word boycott. Um, notably, France, France uh, has said it won't do it. France is the host of the 2024 Olympic Games, so they're sort of getting in line. They had a big announcement um, on Monday right. uh, that they're going to, you know, hold their opening ceremonies, having athletes float down the Seine River. They're trying; they're seemingly trying to, and in concert with the IOC, working to try and have a, like a parallel narrative <laughs> of of sort of uh, brightness and and openness. Uh, attached to the Olympics compared with what we're looking at right now, which is everybody going to China basically and experiencing three weeks of captivity uh, because of the very, very strict COVID restrictions they're going to have there, uh, the protocols we all have to follow. Oh, but also they're not letting in any international spectators. Um, this is sort of not what it Olympic Games is supposed to look like. And, and in addition to that, you know, human rights are kind of supposed to be at the core of the Olympic Charter. And, you know, the Olympics are once again going to uh, a pretty, pretty intensely authoritarian nation. I want to just touch back on what you said about diplomatic boycott for reasons of the Uyghurs and reasons of human rights violations. But has there been anything stated that part of that is due to Peng Shui? They have not referenced yeah. Peng Shui directly in relation to the boycott. They just said, you know, because of their human rights violations, 
the Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, has referenced the White House's concern over Peng Shui. Okay. Uh, in in mid November, they referenced her directly. So you know that is it is on their radar screen. It would be impossible for this not to be on their radar screen. And like I said, the other side of the spectrum, you have um, you know a, a lot of athletes, sports organizations and government officials sort of trying to have it both ways, trying to say, including, and I should say, including men's tennis in the ATP tour, which is someone you would, you would, a, a group that you would expect would have a great deal of solidarity um, with the women's tour. And they've sort of expressed concern about this, but they haven't taken any moves to, hmm. you know, remove tournaments or, or to put any weight behind that. So uh, I think that's a that's a, a a matter of great disappointment among a lot of people and a lot of people in the tennis world. Um, yeah, so, yeah. It's a, but but also in addition to beyond that, you know, you have, like I said, lots of other organizations, including the IOC, you know, sort of initially saying expressing concern, but then you know not doing not doing much more uh, than that. Yeah, what you, like you said earlier, it kind of ebbs and flows. It was hot for a while in terms of news, then it wasn't. Then I remember the hashtags with Serena Williams and others. And you know, as you said, everything moves on to another another story. But as we leave, and I so appreciate your time, this sort of what you have expressed concern that we should all have for her safety. And I, and I guess the question is, what can allay our concern and do you think it can happen? I mean, I think the only thing that would allay, allay a lot of people's concerns is if Peng Shui is out of the country at some mm -hmm. point. And um, like I said, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm a sports writer. I'm not a China expert, but you know, I read the news. I have, I know people who live there who have lived there and the country is going in the other direction right now. Uh, things are getting things are getting harsher in China. Things are getting things are you know getting bleaker from a human rights perspective. So um, I don't expect I don't expect to see Peng Shui freely moving about the country and speaking freely or showing up at tennis tournaments outside of China anytime soon. If she does, it would be, it would be a great relief. Um, but uh, it's not. I'm not getting not getting a lot of signals uh, that that's that's something that we should expect. Well, we're more than two months away, as you reference. But do you a think little under two months at this point? Or a little yeah, under two months. February fourth is, February is the 4th. opening. Sentence. Do you think we'll see her? Do you think we, you know, the the international audience will see her? Well, you like I said, there's they're seeing her and then they're seeing her. I mean, I mean in the, they, in the they, Olympic events, whether if, it's they tr if the thing is, if they trot her out, she's yeah. gonna, she's going to be accompanied. She's going to be she's yeah. still in her country. She'll still be surrounded by, you know, Chinese government officials. But, you know, by very definition, because it's an Olympic because it'll be an Olympics, an Olympic event. And so 
yes, they may try, they may trot her out in, in a sort of nothing to see here kind of way, yeah. or in order to treat her, you know, to, to treat her as something that they can show to their people to convince them that, you know, they're sort of benign, they, they, they can be benign and benevolent, but it's, you know, that won't, like I said, I, I don't think that will satisfy a lot of people yeah. on this side of the, uh, on this side of the ocean. Unless I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, unless she does some kind of sit down interview with Western media, but even that I would think she'd be accompanied and uh, advised. Yeah, probably. And I mean, if we're talking about in China, yeah, certainly look, the Australian open is in, is in January. She's not, I don't think she signed up to play at this point. You know, she hasn't really played any tournaments. Um, but, you know, if she showed up at the Australian Open, that would be a good sign. Yeah. Um, you know, that's sort of a gathering of, uh, that's a gathering of the tennis world with lots of, you know, natural, lots of neutral parties in, in close proximity. So um, in a normal year, she might very well have shown up at the Australian Open, either to play or just to be around. Uh, but... You know, I don't, I don't expect her to be in Melbourne next month. Yeah. All right, my friend, this is, uh, <laughs> I, I hate to leave our audience uh, without a happy ending at this point, but that's where we are. And, uh, yeah, these are, look, these are complicated times. Yeah. This is going to be a complicated Olympics. I expect that a lot of Americans certainly are just going to tune them out, um, you know, out of sort of this, some level of, disgust which is just really too bad for a lot of athletes who have spent a lifetime preparing for this moment you know most people don't go to more than one olympics most people just get one and to have worked this hard and this to be the one that you got is just kind of just kind of bad it's some pretty serious bad luck maybe maybe though it'll inspire a bunch of people to hang around another four years to to go to Italy. I mean, if you, but if there is some, if there is sort of a, a, a bright light you want to leave people with. Yeah. If people care about this, you know, the Olympics are not going back to that part of the world anytime soon. Um, we sort of, we, we, we've come out of a, a, a pretty bad spurt of Olympic games going to 2000, back to 2014. When first you were in Russia, Russia started a war in the middle of the Olympics. They, mm-hmm. you know, they invaded, <laughs> Crimea at that at that point um, while the games were going on then the games were in Rio in 2016 which just turned into a complete disaster because the, the country was sort of in economic turmoil and uh, was just seen as a just total boondoggle and waste of money the organizer has now been sentenced to 30 years in prison or something like that many many years in prison for for, for paying and seeking bribes um, and then the Korea in, in 2018, a lot of people don't even remember, we were sort of, it seemed like they were on the brink of nuclear war between, between in the run up to those games. Um, again, it wasn't a place that anybody in, in, in much of the world sort of wanted to go right. to, um, all artificial snow, uh, just sort of inorganic. Then you had Tokyo in the midst of the pandemic when 80% of Japan did not want the, the games right. to be held 
last summer. They went ahead with them anyway, with no crowds. It was about the most joyless sporting event I've ever <laughs> attended. Yeah. And now we're in, you know, we're coming to China, which you know speaks for itself as to what it uh, as to what it is. And there's not a lot of high hopes for that. But coming out of China, you'll go to Paris, then Italy in 2026 for the Winter Games, then LA for. Yeah, uh, for the summer games in 2028, they haven't chosen a site for 2030. It looks like it'll either be Vancouver or Salt Lake City, and then 2022, uh, 2032 in Brisbane, Australia. So, wow. so yeah, it is making a turn. Yes, yeah, seems like it's going away from <laughs> going away from both developing nations and authoritarian regimes. Yeah, probably a good idea for the Olympics at this point after everything they've been through but these are all self-inflicted wounds so yeah well matthew thank you again for explaining this whole situation with Peng shui and you know i don't want to make this hashtaggy but we pray for Peng shui and sort of uh like you i think we all want to feel like she's safe and somewhere in uh, one way or another and i don't know how that way is going to happen but we'll hope we'll yeah yeah yeah, hoping. Well, look, I'll just keep writing. We'll just keep writing about it, and yeah. keep whatever pressure is on, and just get all we can do is all you can do as a journalist is just you know hold powerful people to account and hope that hope that shame has some, plays some some role in it. Yeah. Thanks for speaking this truth to power, and thanks for coming on the podcast and giving okay. me some running advice too. Okay, anytime. <laughs> thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. If you're more of a today person, want to get what you need ASAP, then worry about it in the future. You can order online, pick it up fast, free same-day store pickup. No waiting in line, no shopping through the store for 20 minutes because you can't find a part or you refuse to ask for help. That sounds like me. Or you're more of a tomorrow person on a job that can wait. You can order what you need on AutoZone with free next-day delivery. You can even order as late as 10 p.m. and your package will arrive the next day right on time. Like if it's late, you don't realize you forgot something, need it for the job, and don't feel like going back to the store because you're too tired. Hey, sounds like me again. Every car is different, and that means every car's job is different. That's why AutoZone offers you more way to shop your way for your car. Oh, and they've also got 6,000 stores nationwide. Help you at a moment's notice. You've got that going for you too, which is nice. So next time... You're starting a job with your car. Start by shopping your way at AutoZone. Free same-day pickup and free next-day delivery. Get in the zone, AutoZone. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand, a special edition, a story that's been disturbing and troubling, and hopefully we brought it to you in a way that you understand it, you can figure it out, and see what's happening as we follow it further, as we uh, get ready for the entire sporting world to descend on China in February for the Winter Olympics. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, Instagram Andrew Brandt 2, Clubhouse ADB 719, my Sunday newsletter. Hope you're getting it. If you're not, please do. It is at Andrew Brandt is where you sign up, andrew-brandt.com. Also in there, have a holiday idea for you if you want to buy even more content from me thanks to my producer brian neal thanks to my music producer sam brandt you hear that music under scoring us apple podcasts and ratings are always appreciated give us a good review and we'll be back next week with another edition of the business of sports with andrew brown 
our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.